Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Thank you. Thank you, praise and worship team, for being obedient. And um, thank you all for not being spectators. (laughs) Uh, Worship is not a spectator sport. (laughs) You must participate uh, if you're on the team, right? (laughs) We pray you're on the team. Who goes to their team event to sit down and not cheer them on? <laughs> no one does. I don't know who your team is. I, I'm from North Carolina originally, so when I went to NC State, by default, I'm an NC State fan. By default. <laughs> and I guess I'm a Carolina Panthers fan as well, by default. <laughs> uh, and I would not travel to Charlotte to sit on my hands. <laughs> I'm going to cheer them on and I'm going to give them my best. You know, they may not deserve it, uh, but I'm going to give them my best because they're my team, right? And you would do the same for your team. So we come here uh, to praise our God and to magnify Him and to lift Him up and to uh, seek His face and to worship and praise Him. So praise and worship is not a spectator sport. You must participate. So we thank you for your participation. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, I can go sit down, y'all. I really could. I feel like just just to fill it with a kiss right now and just go. Uh, no. <laughs> God is good. And I think his word is important. And um, I will be, won't try not to be before you long. Um, this so I am going to end this series of messages from the lessons from the vine, and we've been talking about discipleship. Um, we will continue, though, to talk about discipleship, but we'll just use another parable or phrase that won't be vine. It may be plant. I don't know. We'll see what the Lord has for us. Um, but we will still continue to talk about discipleship. But uh, using this theme, we're going to be ending um, today. So this will be the last. Uh, so, lessons from the vine, discipleship, and well-refined wine. So, go with me now, all right? So, we've been talking about uh, lessons from the vine, and we've had uh, lessons from the vine was the first one, lessons from the vine, the trellis, lessons from the vine, receive and reproduce, and then we did lessons from the vine, the glory of the vine dresser. So, now we're here at the end. I hope you've enjoyed them, and you can definitely go look, look, look them up online or look up any of our messages uh, this past year uh, online. Not just mine, but if you want to look at mine, that's that's okay as well. Um, But uh, so when we're talking about the vine, we're talking about growing and uh, as discipleship, we are going to multiply. We're reproducing as fruit on that vine. It is our job not to, uh, it is our job to reproduce. Uh, We're just going to abide in him and we're going to be so overcome by his love and his presence as we abide abide in the vine that we're going to reproduce. And as, as God is the vine dresser, he's pruning us and cultivating us to, to reproduce much fruit. And, of course, when you think about a vine, you th- I automatically think about grapes. It never, dis- it never does clearly say that it's a grape, but as a vine and reproducing the fruit, making them great. And so uh, when those grapes are ripe, uh, during this season, they would use, uh, use these grapes for wine. Uh, and there will be a wine press, and that's a whole other message in taking these mature grapes and putting them in the wine press, which means that they've been pressed on. So 
So even in your mature state, God is going to use you now to pluck you off the vine and press you in the wine press to make wine. And you would think that that would be enough, right? But no. Because even in that, God has a way of refining us so that we're just not wine, but we well, we are well-refined wine. And there's a process to producing well-refined wine uh, for all you wine connoisseurs. You, I'm, I'm not a wine connoisseur. You give me the cheap stuff, I'd probably be okay. But... <laughs> But it doesn't taste as good and doesn't smell as good. And it's not as, probably not as healthy for you as well. Um, but God is wanting to refine us as wine. Uh, so we've now matured from grapes and now we're looking at wine. And in this process, again, we're going to talk about discipleship. Now go with me now. You're going to be like, are we still talking about discipleship? Yes, you are. <laughs> we are. We're going to start in Jeremiah 48 and 11. We're probably going to hang out there for most of the message. Um, uh, Jeremiah 48 and 11, and it reads, Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs, or leaves, some, some uh, versions may have leaves, and has not emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has, he, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him. And his scent has not changed. That's good, y'all. Moab has been at ease from his youth. He's had no problems. <laughs> uh, Moab is a country on the southeast side of the Dead Sea. Uh, when Israel came up from Egypt, they passed through Moab. God didn't allow them to attack that nation uh, because Moab uh, came about in Genesis 19 as a result of Lot's daughters having an incestuous relationship with Lot. We're not going to hang out there. <laughs> but that's how Moab has its start. So Moab has a kind of a, 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 a difficult start. And as awful as the truth is, both his daughters, the younger and the older daughter, had children by their father. They got him drunk and uh, slept with him and had children. At any rate, this nation that was known by the name of their ancestor Moab started off being obedient to Babylon. And then, according to Jeremiah 27, three things changed, and then they were planning to plot against Babylon. Uh, at some point, Moab went from obedience to disobedience and rebellion to Babylon. Uh, whatever the time frame, Moab was conquered by uh, Babylon um, in 582 B.C. It's not really important, but I, I did the research and give you the information. <laughs> Uh, but therefore, anything, any of, anything that happened, God was going to predict uh, that it was sending Babylon to destroy Moab. So in, in, verse, in Jeremiah 48, it talks about the demise of Moab. That's where we're picking up. We're picking up in verse 11. So it's talking about Moab being destroyed and, and, and the demise of Moab. And we'll get back to that. Ruth was a Moabite woman, if you didn't know that. So that's why you, you may have heard heard Moab before. Uh, she was from Moab. Uh, but she was accepted into a new community through family ties and personal devotion. She was connected to Lot as a descendant of Moab, uh, but she married Naomi's son, one of Naomi's sons, and so she was a daughter-in-law to Naomi. Uh, Ruth chose and pledged her loyalty to Naomi and her God, 
that's where we have the kinsman redeemer. Um, so we get that term from because Ruth could have gone another way. She could have chose to go back home and live with the gods of Moab. But she said, no, I want to be with you, Naomi, and serve your God. Um, Ruth is an exceptional figure in the Bible as she is one that uh, only featured females uh, from people that God made admonition against as immoral people and enemies of the Israelites. Although a Moabite, so she, she was against God. She was in the tribe that was against God. And although she was a Moabite, uh, she was able to celebrate it as a figure in the Bible for choosing righteous paths despite her background. And we can stay right there, y'all, if we wanted to, but we're not. <laughs> that God can redeem your background. So no matter where you're from, if you're from on the wrong side of the tracks or you're from the right side of the tracks, God can redeem your background and use you just like he used Ruth. And she is listed. And when you look in the lineage of Jesus, she is listed in that lineage. So God can re It doesn't matter where you're from. No matter what you came from, God can still use you. But we're not stopping there. <laughs> A family roof is complicated. Uh, and, you know, like I said, God can use you. It is uh, said, and I've mentioned this uh, several times throughout this, in this uh, lessons on the vine, is that there was a lot of intermingling. And even though um, it was said that the Israelites were not supposed to intermingle with the Moabites, weren't supposed to marry. Uh, and David is known as marrying a had Some of his wives, Solomon, I'm sorry, was some of his wives were from Moabite. And because God didn't want, and this is not... Uh, based off of nationality or ethnicity, but it was based off of belief. So he didn't want you to take on someone else's culture because their belief, they had other gods. So Moabite had these other gods that they believed and they served, uh, uh, I think it was a fish god. They had a fish god that they served and the different gods that they served. And the reason why God didn't want them to intermingle because those traditions and, and, and things of that nature would be coming in and taint what the Israelites were doing. God was a jealous God. He wanted to be the only God that you serve, not to serve all these other gods. And that's why despite um, that, a lot of Israelites married some Moabite women. And so they took on other gods. And they had some problems, to say the least. <laughs> so we find here at Moabite, we find at Moab, I'm sorry, Moab is at ease. Uh, at ease, the Greek word is shayan. Uh, to be at ease or to be at ease or at peace, to rest securely. Uh, and, the, and, and in the Greek, it talks about to be lying down in a lazily manner. So if you look at this word, it's just not to be at peace or at rest, but to lie down in a lazy manner. So what they were saying is the Moabites were lazy. They they had it easy. They had a tranquil life. They didn't have war. They didn't have anything going on. So they were secure in their mess. They were okay with where they were. Uh, Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The Moab wasn't concerned about watching and praying. They were at peace. You know, I think sometimes in our culture, in our culture, and I'm not saying this, <laughs> I am saying this, 
um, <laughs> that we can America can sometimes be Moab. We have rested on our laurels. We're okay with being okay. We are at ease. We are at peace. Nothing has interrupted, especially as Christians. Uh, we we are uh, we can come to church. No one interfered with us coming to church this morning. Had, did anyone have any problems coming here this morning? Did, were there stop points and stop checks that stopped you and said, "Hey, where are you going?" and forbade you to come to church? Where'd you go to get your Bibles? You can order them online, and there's a couple of stores here in the city you can order. Right? We don't have that problem. In some countries, it is illegal to carry a Bible. You would be killed if they knew you were a Christian. And unfortunately, I don't know if many of in many of us would make it if we were in those countries because we have it so. We're so at ease and so at rest and so at peace. And so we don't watch and pray. These we enter into temptation. First Peter 4, 7 and 8, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. How many of us are serious and watchful in our prayers? I, mean, I was just listening to the radio coming here about Sudan and the war that is breaking out and they're having to get the Americans out of there. How many of us are serious about what we pray about and watchful and above all things be fervent love have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins first peter 4 7 and 8 serious and watchful so that that means that you're not taking a position of ease that you're not laying back being you know whatever happens happens and and, and also in looking at this the, they said there's a a, a law that it's um, so tranquil that you don't believe God will bless you, but you also don't believe God will curse you or do bad for you. So you're in such a state of secure stupidity, in which I, I, those are not my words. It's in the commentary that I read. <laughs> stupid security, it says, or secure, uh, uh, securely stupid, in that you don't think God will mess with you because nothing's happened. You're okay. Nothing's changed. You're still doing whatever you're doing. This is Moab. They were at ease. And they felt like nothing. Nothing was going to happen to us. And so they settled on the dregs and the leaves. Uh, settled means to sequat, to be quiet and undisturbed. Uh, quiet and gaze as an inactive spectator. To be idle. So they they don't have a fight or a, a fight in this. They don't have a, a a dog in this fight, you know. So they can sit back and just look at it, just like I talked about in worship. And I, I forgot that this was in here, but yeah, you just sit back and you know, I don't I don't really care. It's a spirit of indifference, you know. It is what it is. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. I don't really care. You know, that's that's where Moab was, and so. Uh, they were quiet and undisturbed. They didn't want to be bothered. They were idle. They were doing nothing. They're okay with doing nothing. I don't want to be bothered. As long as it doesn't bother me, I'm good. Isn't that what we say sometimes? Not my business. <laughs> Is it Mr. Brown? Like, okay, that's not my business. 
idleness, doing nothing. Second Thessalonians 3, 6 and 9 says, But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. So, again, this, we're talking about discipleship. So, this is Paul saying that you walk according to what we showed you. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread for free, but we worked with labor and toil at night and day, that we might not be a burden to you, to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but we make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. This is not being, this talks about, about not being idle. And I think sometimes some of your Bibles may have it titled uh, something about idleness or uh, not uh, not being idle. But they are working because they're keeping themselves busy. And they have authority to do certain things, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to work. And they also talk later in the scripture about uh, not eating if you don't work, you know. You know, so you you don't just sit around and eat and feast and, and not work. The requirement is that you actually are doing some things. And the example, the discipleship example here, and we're going to get more into it later, is that they should follow what the others were showing them. So they showed them, hey, that you can do this. You can work and you can minister and you have authority to do this. And you show, follow us by our example. We just didn't eat your food and then sit back and do anything, do nothing. But we ate and we worked and we performed in the, in the ministry and, and ourselves and follow that example, not follow what these other guys are doing when they're not doing anything. They're sitting back and being lazy. Dregs and leaves are uh, is an idiom that's being used. It refers to the leaves or dregs of sediment of wine or other liquids that would settle at the bottom. So when you press the grapes, and I'm sure there may be some grape particles or some fine particles in that grape, those grapes, and they will pour them into a vessel or wineskin, possibly. <laughs> and then they will wait and let those uh, things settle at the bottom. And it says to rest on your dregs or leaves, it, it means that you stay there. Because to be refined is that you're emptied out that vessel. So once those things settled at the bottom of this one vessel, then the wine dresser would take that vessel and pour out the top portion. Leave the dregs at the bottom and the leaves at the bottom or pour out the top. And again, he will wait again and see what settles and then do it again. And this process happened over and over again. They empty from vessel to vessel. Uh, Zephaniah 1.12 says, Men settled on their leaves are men hardened and crusted. The image is derived from the crust at the bottom of the wine that's left undisturbed. So if you settle on your leaves, it means that your heart is hardened because it's crusted over. Because you're staying at the bottom. You stayed in that vessel, that first vessel, and you haven't been poured out or emptied out. Uh, empty, Greek word is rook, arm out, cast out, draw out, empty out, pour it out into a vessel. Uh, and they said that this is about Moab. Moab has not been poured out, hasn't had any interruptions in life. Now, how many of us feel like life should be easy? <laughs> we seek out uh, the road that's least 
the road of least resistance is a rut. Did you know that? Because everyone is seeking that road. <laughs> and if you're stuck in a rut, that means that you're seeking the road of least resistance because that's where everyone's going. Uh, and we're seeking that out. And we expected our lives to be uninterrupted, not to be bothered, not to be overwhelmed. But do you think if your life, if you are this wine and that you've been poured in this vessel, that there's an interruption when things settle, that settlement of things, your sin, your issues, your problems, not problems, but your issues are settled. Then the vine dresser comes and interrupts you, your life, picks you up and pours you in another vessel. And then things settle. He waits and let things settle again. And he comes and pours you out into another vessel. How many of you feel like you're always in a, uh, a place of transition? My life is a place of transition. That means he's just continually pouring you out. He's continually pouring you into another vessel. Because if you stay in this vessel, then you begin to smell like the leaves and dregs at the bottom. And so what you don't want in refined wine, is what I learned, <laughs> is to be, you want to be refined. You want to be uh, as far removed from this mess here as possible. And so the more you're being poured out, the more refined you are, the better floral notes that you will have, and your color will change as well. And that is determined by the vine dresser, not by you. You don't determine how many times you get poured out. You don't determine how many times your life gets interrupted with things. And so many times we see that as a negative, right? To be in transition all the time. My wife said, we're always in transition. We're always changing. Something always is happening. We always got to do this. And this is changing. And now we got to change here. And then a year from now, we're going to change again. Yes. <laughs> he is pouring you out into a new vessel. Letting your mess settle so that he can use you and be more refined. Because he wants a sweet-smelling fragrance when he sees you, a pleasing color when he sees you, and when he takes, when he shares you with the world. <laughs> Thus, if we are never poured from experience to experience, the wine becomes spoiled and scented with the dregs. Someday the last vessel will be filled and the last pouring will be finished. So aren't you glad that we're not there yet? Because he's not done working on you. Uh, may it be pleased the heart of our Lord to find us as choice wine. Rich, sparkling, well refined. Because his grace we have been emptied from vessel to vessel. And he is not done with us. The prophet says, uh, nations, um, back to Moab, um, wine is not treated or retained in its first crude bitterness. It's really bitter uh, in the beginning. So the prophet says that it was with nations. And, and so he's talking about Moab here, but I want you to use this example personally in your life, but then you can look at the bigger picture in your community, look at the, our nation in the world as well. Uh, it is not good for them to remain too long in prosperity 
which does not strengthen their natural arrogance. It is not good for them to remain too long in prosperity, which does not strengthen, which does but strengthen their natural arrogance. So if you remain too long in prosperity, it strengthens your natural arrogance. You think that it's about you and not about him. And things are so easy for you. And, um, you know, I work at a place where sometimes these young kids get really good jobs. And they um, don't take care of their money <laughs> the way they should. And uh, we complain, us older guys at work, these young kids, they still are almost at, they're still at home sometimes. And they get these big fancy trucks and they're thinking they're living a life. And then when they have to get out on their own, they really get smacked in the face with reality. Because uh, they had lived in prosperity for so long. I can say that about my own children sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you lived in prosperity for so long, you don't know what it means to struggle. Uh, <laughs> you appreciate things a little bit differently, right? You look at things a little bit differently. You save a little bit differently. Uh, and you appreciate prosperity in a different way. Uh, but you also know how to be content when lack is there as well. Because you've made Jesus your center. God, your center, and not the things around you. And so, so many times we get distracted by the things around us uh, that we forget that He is the center. So, in this pouring, back to discipleship, from vessel to vessel, and this is in your personal life, in your personal life, and He's pouring you, and He's letting some things in your life settle, some issues, failures, sins, or whatever, uh, unforgiveness settle at the bottom, and he's pouring you. Do you think it's important for you to share what you've learned in that pouring when you've moved from vessel to vessel? And you may be further along in your vessels that he's poured you out so many times that you be able, you're able to tell someone else who just Experience the poor and is like, oh my God, is this? I thought I was saved. I thought life was going to be easy. I thought I had it. You know, they told me I, if I get this Jesus, everything was going to be fine. And now my life is turned upside down. Well, that's his job to turn your life upside down. <laughs> Actually, your life was upside down. And he's turning your life right side up. <laughs> and that may uh, cause some difficulty. Cause you to be uneasy, cause you to cause you to be in transition, and it may require someone else. If I'm discipling, if I'm walking in life with you, I am doing life together. We are talking to one another. We're experiencing life together, and you're saying, "Hey, man, this is difficult." And I may be able to say, "Hey, brother, I experienced that. I experienced that five years ago, and here's what I did, and this is what the Lord taught me in that process." And you may be able to glean from that or learn from that. Or you may be able to say, hey, if you live long enough, it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> but just hang in there. Uh, I run with Alex. I don't see him here today so I can talk about him. Uh, we run the steps. <laughs> He's a young guy. He goes to Liberty. And we've met a couple times. We run the steps, downtown, uh, downtown Monument steps. And, um, and we 
yeah, we're crazy. He's he's 22, and I was like, man, I got to find new friends. You're too young for me to be running with. Too old for this. <laughs> and I, <laughs> but it's something I do. Uh, and so we were running the steps, and I, I told him, I said, Alex, I'm glad. So me and some other buddies have done it before as well. But I said, I'm glad I've scheduled to meet with you on these days because I know that if I didn't plan it with you, I wouldn't do it. So if I, you know, the fact that you're going to meet me there makes it a priority to say, all right, Virgil, you're going to go because Alice is going to be there. You don't want to send a text message to say, hey, bro, I'm not coming. <laughs> the bed has kept me in a lot longer. Uh, <laughs> but isn't it important to do life together with people because it makes it easier for one to do it. Uh, but then it makes you show up. It makes it a little bit better. Uh, and so when we're discipling, when we're doing life together with one another, those things that are challenging, and the steps downtown are challenging, um, <laughs> uh, you make it uh, a little bit better having someone walking through that with you. Uh, and that is true whether you're working out or in life in general. If there's hardships, if there's troubles, if there's things going on in my life, it helps that I have someone to talk to. It helps that I have someone that is praying with me. It helps that I have someone that is walking through that situation with me, that has my back, that is encouraging me when I'm discouraged. Um, and Alex discouraged me because he ran up and down. I said, Alex, I don't run down the steps. I walk down the steps. That's, that's a bit much. <laughs> uh, but it encouraged me in that process. Um, but that is what we're here for. Even in our pressing and making the wine and then pour it out and pour it out, uh, it is important that we share that process with others. Because they may be able to learn, they may be able to glean, they may be able to uh, change their whole life because of what we said, what we've shared with them. And it's important. And now seasoned saints, uh, or our more refined wine saints, <laughs> it's important. We're going to close in Isaiah 25, uh, 6 through 10. I'm just going to read probably 6. Isaiah 25 and 6 says, The Lord of hosts will prepare a feast for all the peoples on this mountain. That mountain is Mount Zion. A feast of aged wine, choice meat, finely aged wine. And it goes on. If you go down to verse 10, it says, For the Lord's power will rest on this mountain. Moab will be trampled in his place as a straw is trampled in a dung pile. Because Moab was lazy. They thought that it was okay. They thought nothing bad would happen to them. They had gotten used of the bitterness of the dregs and the leaves. So they settled with that. And they didn't want to change. They didn't want to be poured out. They felt like, hey, this life is easy. Let me just stay in this first vessel here. But then you begin to smell like your sins. And you have a bitter taste. And maybe there's some unforgiveness in that vessel that's still settled there. And that's now tainted the whole vessel. And that's why it's important that the divine dresser knows when to pour you out. 
so let's 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 look at this um, as a lesson one and to appreciate the changes in our lives. Uh, to not be so disgruntled about the changes that happen in life. And there's natural changes and then there's some changes that we cause ourselves, uh, but God can still use and he does. Uh, but then also let's be let's make it a priority to share what we're learning with others and discipling them. Because you have some knowledge, you uh, have some knowledge in your life, whether whether you're 20 or 80, you've gained some knowledge that you can share with someone. So if you're 20, you can share it with someone who's 15. If you're 80, you can share it with everyone. Um, <laughs> but you have some knowledge that you've gained. And it's important, and, and if you're here, God is not done with you. And I challenge you to see that. Say, hey, just because I'm older, that doesn't mean that I stop being a disciple, maker. I'm a disciple, and I make disciples. And so I'm going out to share the gospel. I'm going out to, to witness to people. I'm living life with other people, and they can learn from what the Lord has shown me. And I can teach them that if they stay long enough, that this vessel, too, will change over. And that God is only refining you to make you better. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.